Riley here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Stand up for your country. You know, regrettably, I have to report to you that we are now the United States of hatred. I knew it, um, but this uh, Rush Limbaugh death proves it beyond any reasonable doubt. And it's a story that has implications far beyond Mr. Limbaugh. So I want to take you through this story in a methodical, fact-based way so you see the big picture uh, about a very corrosive thing that has now got a grip on the entire nation. So we begin with um, what happened yesterday right after the announcement of Rush Limbaugh's death made by his wife, Catherine, on his radio program. I sent out a tweet. Here was my tweet. Um, Quote, the legacy of Rush Limbaugh is clear, the most successful radio broadcaster in history. Mr. Limbaugh provided a conservative balance against the dangerous left-wing corporate media machine. History counts few entertainers among those who made a difference in the country. Rush Limbaugh did. Okay, so if you want to, by the way, get on my tweet, it's just at Bill O'Reilly. So I think that was a fairly objective assessment of Rush Limbaugh, whether you love him or hate him. That's all true. It's fact-based. And it was my responsibility as a journalist to provide some perspective, all right, after a person of his stature dies. It wasn't my purview to comment on what he had said, what had happened to him. None of that. Just basically to say what was true about the man and how he affected the United States of America. That's journalism. That's what you do when there is an event. But that's not what we have. So the second part of this is right after I tweeted, a million other people tweeted, many of whom put vile postings on Twitter and Facebook and all the social media. And I mean hateful, vile stuff. None of that was sanctioned by the social media companies. They just let it go. So now we have a, a situation where they're saying, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all these things, they're saying, well, no, you can't put provocative stuff on. You can't put insightful, uh, not insightful being smart, but inciting hatred on our sites. But they allowed it. And there's no doubt. So we did a little research here and uh, we found out that there isn't anybody in any of those organizations that tried to prevent this. And they didn't issue any statement. They just let it go. Still up. OK, so this morning, 24 hours after Rush Limbaugh dies and he was celebrated on a number of conservative television channels and radio stations, um, I do a syndicated radio program called the O'Reilly Update. And it's on about 300 stations across the country. It's more of a Paul Harvey 15-minute uh, thing. But within the 15 minutes, there's a four-minute, um, basically, commentary on the news of the day. So here's what I said this morning. Go. Throughout his lifetime, Rush Limbaugh provided a counterpunch to the far-left media which did not like that at all. Yes, Mr. Limbaugh made 
rhetorical mistakes in my judgment, but all of us in the media do. There is no moral mandate that you have to approve of Rush Limbaugh's style. However, to attack him and his family on the day he dies is, as I said, horrible behavior, unacceptable in a civilized society. Twitter allowed it. Remember that. Twitter allowed all of this hateful stuff to be posted. And so did the rest of social media. The Huffington Post was the worst as usual. The Associated Press should be ashamed. NBC News was hateful. Now, the NBC News thing I'm going to get into because there's an asterisk. Uh, the NBC News was hateful. There's an asterisk. I'm going to explain it in a uh, No Spin News exclusive that you'll hear nowhere else. That's coming up in a few minutes. So th there's no doubt uh, that Rush Limbaugh's family and friends are grieving over his death. Yet the people who are attacking Mr. Limbaugh on the day of his death, they don't care how much pain they inflict on those family members and friends. They couldn't care less. Now, if I see that in my personal life, if I see somebody that callous, never will I associate or even speak to them. I don't speak to them if I see that kind of behavior in front of me. All right. If every American adopted my attitude, this stuff would die out. Now, let me give you a few more examples. This is a woman named Erin Ryan. She works for Crooked Media. That was founded by John Favreau and Tommy Vider. They were former Barack Obama staffers, so they founded this Crooked Media thing. So Ms. Ryan says, God has canceled Rush Limbaugh, all right, in a blasphemous as well as an incredibly cruel statement. So now this woman is nothing. I mean, she isn't um, a force or an influencer. She doesn't do anything. She's a writer for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a program on cable. Um, she's, uh, she lives in Los Angeles. She's in that showbiz crew, okay? Now, another one was posted by a guy named Luke O'Brien, the Huffington Post senior reporter. The Huffington Post is the worst um, of, of all of them. You, you just don't get worse. Media matters is a different situation, but, but if you're just doing commentary, the Huffington Post is the worst. So O'Brien, Luke O'Brien says, racists and fascists are easy to spot today because they're all pouring out for Rush Limbaugh. Okay, so again, uh, this is, uh, he's nothing. He's not going to succeed in his career. He lives in Washington. I mean, he's just a hater. These are just haters. But they get paid by these companies. They pay them to hate. But beyond hate, it's savagery. This is savage behavior, not civilized behavior. You don't try to hurt somebody's family on the day a person dies. You would think that that would be... Uh, anathema, word of the day. Uh, that would be, um, you talk about a canceling offense to try to hurt somebody's family on the day the person dies. So we looked around to see if there was any right-wing stuff in this area. This is interesting. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, obviously an avowed liberal and a pro-abortion person. And one guy, Doug Collins, 
uh, Georgia congressperson. One guy went after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court justice, when she died. Couldn't find anything else. Okay, couldn't find anything else. This is on the right. When um, John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis died, one guy, another congressman from Georgia, Tommy Benton, went after him. But all of the other left-wing people who have died, the conservative forces on the day of their death and shortly afterward did not attack them. Now, that's the truth. Now, if I miss something, please send it to me and I'll absolutely put it on the air. So then the question becomes, if this is just from the far left progressive movement, if all of this hatred is just from them, then why are they embraced by the corporate media? See, that's the key issue here I'm trying to get at. So, um, you know, we have, if you go to Twitter now, you'll see Rush Limbaugh rot in hell. And it's been up for more than 24 hours. And so if social media is going to protect us from Donald Trump and from other people who've been canceled, but they're going to allow this. So Congress has got to get involved with this because this obviously isn't any uniform code. They're knocking people off when they don't like them. Um, all right, here's the exclusive for No Spin News. So the management at CNN, I know this for a fact, told their commentators to tone it down. Don't attack Limbaugh personally yesterday. Okay, don't go after him. Either ignore him, which most of them did, okay, or keep it, keep it in bounds. Okay, that's CNN management. Now, remember, I've told you time and time again that the CNN people on television, they do what they are told to do. They are ordered to do things every day in which they do, which is why you hear the same language. And we've done those montages. So David Axelrod is probably the smartest contributor on CNN, left-wing guy. You know him, a, a Obama counselor. He wrote, quote, whether you loved him or hated him, there are very few people in between. Rush Limbaugh was indisputably a force of historic proportions. Over the past three decades, he did as much to polarize our politics as anyone and lay the groundwork for Trump and Trumpism, unquote. Okay, so that's okay. That's all right. Um, that's not a, a personal attack. It's not trying to demean him uh, and his family and his friends. And that's Axelrod. All right, now here's Stelter. There are two guys on CNN who are just rank haters. All right, Brian Stelter and Jake Tapper. All right, they just hate. Now you would say, well, what about Chris Cuomo? No, he's an ideologue. All right, Lemon, same thing. I know them. All right, Anderson Cooper, same thing. They don't hate. They're, they're just, it's performance for them. It's performance. So when Chris Cuomo was working for the Fox News Channel, I helped him. And, but he was nothing like he is at CNN. Yeah, his whole family's liberal, so he's liberal, but believe me, he wasn't running around Fox News doing what he does now on CNN. He's much better off at CNN because that's where his. Uh, opinions lie over there. But Stelter and Tapper, they genuinely hate. They, they're just dripping with it. Here's Stelter, go. Limbaugh was arrested for doctor shopping in 2006, but went to rehab and the charge was dropped. Through it all, he remained a hero to the right, defending Republicans from what he said was the biased liberal media. 
Radio executives praised his storytelling abilities and his broadcasting talent. Limbaugh was a GOP kingmaker and a close ally of President Trump. All right. So now um, they're going to hide behind CNN and say, oh, you know, it's just a report and this, that, and the other thing. And it, but you don't bring in, you don't bring in what has happened negatively to people when they die. I mean, Kobe Bryant is the best example of that. A, a woman, the Washington Post, after he was killed with his daughter in a plane crash. And I knew Kobe Bryant and, and he he changed his life. He was a much different person when he was younger. She tried to do that and then she got hammered. So, but you don't bring in on the day they die stuff that has gone wrong in their life. And you just don't do that. That's savagery. You want to do a retrospective piece a week later. Okay. Okay. But you don't do it on the day they die. Everybody knows that. Okay. Now NBC is a different story. They also issued a dictum and these, these are quietly, these aren't put in print. They're not over the loudspeaker. They go from show to show. The boss sends the message down. That's how it works, verbally. So there's no track. And they said, okay, look, um, we don't want you to rip up Rush Limbaugh today. So uh, Ari Melber, Chris Hayes, Rachel Maddow, Lawrence O'Donnell, they ignored the story totally. Now, how you can be a news channel and ignore the death of the most important radio figure in American history, I, I don't know. I didn't do that. They ignored it. They didn't mention it because they didn't want to say anything bad about him because they would have gotten in trouble with the NBC brass. And then, of course, they want to say good about him. They didn't even report it. They didn't even mention it. But one person did, Joy Reid. Now, I, I don't really pay attention to Miss Reid. I have nothing against her. But everything is about race with her. Everything, 100%. And to me, I just don't live in that world where everything is about race. I don't. But Reed, she didn't follow the NBC instructions. Roll it. What I heard was a guy who took white Americans out there in the hinterlands and, and fed them a narrative of you're the victim. No, 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 you're the victim. Don't feel like there's any privileges coming to you. You're the victim. The brown people, the black people, the women, the feminazis, they're taking it from you. They're taking things from you. And it kept people so hyped, hyper and amped up that he then was able to turn that into politics. Okay, so that's mild, uh, you know, compared to what she usually does. But Joy Reid can do whatever she wants. Whatever she wants to do. I mean, NBC will tell her whatever. I'm just going to do whatever I want. And, you know, that's the truth. Okay. So we are living in the United States of hatred. And there's no, it's almost... Ironic, I think that's the word I'm looking for. When you had Tuesday night, Joe Biden saying there wasn't any division or isn't any division in the country. And then two days later, all right, one day later, one day later, you see the unbelievable division over the death of Rush Limbaugh. First, let's review what Mr. Biden said. The nation is not divided. You go out there and take a look and talk to people. You have fringes on both ends but not nearly as divided as we make it out to be. And we have to bring it together. Okay. Now, we all knew that was a myth. So uh, was Mr. Biden lying? No, I don't think he was. I just don't think he has a clue. 
I don't. Even, even now, 24 hours after Rush Limbaugh's death, and did Joe Biden pay attention to that? He issued some you know, statement about it. he feels bad for the family or whatever, nothing important. But even now, Joe Biden doesn't link in um, the reaction to Rush Limbaugh's death with the division of the country. Now, I'm not going to insult the president. I, I, I'll insult him if he deserves it. Um, but I'm not going to say that he's not smart enough to do it or anything like I'm not going to do that. OK, because that's unfair. But I will tell you, in my opinion, as a analyst, a fact based analyst, Mr. Biden does not have the awareness, the awareness to know what's happening in the country. He does not know what's happening. So he was once a traditional Democrat, maybe even conservative. Now he is a far left progressive. Is there an explanation for that? Did, was there some kind of epiphany that happened? Did uh, the angel Gabriel appear to him and tell him to be a progressive? It's never been explained. Now, to me, it was just expediency. Biden did what he thought he had to do 20 years ago, and now he's doing what he thinks he has to do now. The power shifted. The progressives in the country run the media. So now Joe's going to be a progressive. But when he gets up and he says, with absolutely no awareness whatsoever, quote, the nation is not divided. And you go, that's like Abraham Lincoln saying, you know, we don't really have a problem with slavery <laughs> in 1860. Yeah, we don't, yeah, ah, you don't really have a problem. So, now, again, do you, can anybody argue with me? Is anybody going to back up Joe Biden saying the nation's not divided? Anybody? I don't think so. He's standing out there alone. Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. He's the president. And he, so far, is dividing the country further with all this equity business. He's making a bad situation a worse situation. There's no detente. There's no reach out to conservative traditional people in America. There's no condemnation of the savagery on the left with Rush Limbaugh's death. Why doesn't Biden get out and say, hey, knock it off? That's not right. Why doesn't he do that? Okay. So that wraps up my coverage of uh, Rush Limbaugh. Again, um, his family and friends. He was a very, our condolences, a very important uh, media figure in this country, whether you like him or not. Um, the one thing that bothered me about some of the coverage was that Mr. Limbaugh did a lot of satire on his three hours a day where you have to do 15 hours a week. I mean, I did the radio factor. I know what you have to do. He did a lot of humor and satire. They took that and they said it was serious. You know, and when I saw it, I went, you know, look, there's enough controversial things the man said that were serious that you could, you don't have to do that. But again, honesty in this country doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't matter anywhere. Now for perhaps the most important story of the night, white supremacy. Okay. Again, you will hear this nowhere else in this country. So I told you yesterday that my staff was investigating how many arrests have been made in the last two years of white supremacists for criminal activity. We have it for you. But first I want to set it up again. And it goes back to the president of the United States. Roll it.
That is the greatest threat to terror in America, domestic terror. And so I would make sure that my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks. And I would make sure that we, in fact, focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. And so I tweeted right after that, Mr. Biden says there is a rise in white supremacy. Where? I tweeted that out and I was immediately viciously defamed and attacked in the most vile ways possible by the far left loons on the Internet. Because I asked, where? Where is all the white supremacy stuff? I don't know any. I know thousands of people. I don't know any. On Long Island, where I live, there's no visible white supremacy. Now, on the Internet, I'm sure there are Nazis and kooks and Klan members and all of those things. I'm sure. But is it a pervasive problem that the president of the United States, I'm taking a whole Justice Department, taking everybody there. We're going to go to the, after these white supremacists. That's how bad they are. That's how pervasive it is. Okay. You want the stats? Here are the stats. All right. In 2020, last year, federal cases brought against white supremacists. Five. Number of individuals charged, 14. Whole year, five cases, 14 individuals. 2019, number of cases, federal level, five. Number of individuals charged, 75. Okay? How about the states? Let's take a look at all 50 states. Total cases brought by state law enforcement officials last year, three. In all 50 states, three. Total number of individuals charged, nine. In 2019, five. In all 50 states, eight individuals charged. Altogether, two years, 18 cases of white supremacists being charged, either federally or locally, statewide, and 106 people charged. Two years. Okay? Now, those are the facts. All right? You can't alter them. You can't spin them. This is this kind of problem right there. But now we got all justified. You find, I guess they're not finding them. Not hard to find, by the way. Not hard to find with the internet because that's where these people live, these kooks, these nuts. Okay, so then I asked myself, look, find out how many far left Antifa Black Lives Matter people have been arrested. Thousands. Thousands. On a federal level, more than 300. All right, just this year. Just 2020, more than 300 have been arrested and charged. And at a state level, we don't have all the stats yet. They're not in the FBI computer bank yet, okay? But there are thousands because of Portland, because of Minneapolis, because of Seattle, thousands of far left people, which include Antifa and the Black Lives Matter protesters. So 106 white supremacists, two years, right? And, and thousands. Yet Joe Biden, not worried about the thousands. No. So what's going on? What, what is really, really happening here? Okay. So the far left progressive movement, and that includes the media, which enables it. They were successful with the white privilege stuff. So they were successful in basically putting a message out that the entire American society, whether it be social, financial, 
uh, employment, whatever it may be, was dominated by white privilege. Okay, so if you're white, you're first in line, you get all the good stuff. And African-Americans and all the other minorities, they don't get the good stuff. Okay, now how Asian-Americans fall in, I don't know, because they get more stuff than the white Americans do. All right, because they are off the chart industrious, generally speaking. Okay, but this was a, a very successful campaign. Very little pushback on white privilege. You didn't hear people going, ah, you know, I don't think that's the case because they'd be demonized just as I was when I said, where's the white supremacy? Wham! Let's get him. Let's slime him. Let's defame him. So he shuts up. All right. And that happened. Boom. Okay. So then they said, you know, this white privilege thing really worked well. Let's bump it up to white supremacy. And therefore, we can bring in the founding fathers who forged the Constitution because they were all white supremacists. So if we can convince the majority of the American people that the whole basis for the country, that means capitalism, the criminal justice system, the Judeo-Christian philosophy and tradition, all of that is based on racism. We can wipe that out and we can put in its place socialism, maybe communism. We can put in its place equity, favorable treatment for marginalized groups. We can do all of that. We can do reparations. We can give African-American families hundreds of thousands of dollars if we can get most of the people to buy into a white supremacist nation. That's what this is all about. Now, again, let's go back to Joe Biden. Does he understand this? No, he doesn't understand it. He's not even close. All right. He knows the progressive movement is pushing the white supremacy stuff. So he's going to, I'm ordering my Justice Department to crack down on the five cases that happened last year. Did you see any white supremacists looting any buildings? If you do, please let me know. Now, in the Capitol, there were white supremacists there. There were. The idiot that was carrying the Confederate flag inside the Capitol building did more damage to the traditional Trump cause. It's incredible how much damage that man did. I'll go in to the U.S. Capitol with a Confederate flag. Yeah, that's a real smart move, isn't it? That's what I'll do. It's just. And then you just look at him. You just gave. The forces of darkness, which are the forces that want to tear this country apart. You just gave them, all right, massive amount of ammunition. Hard to believe, but it happened. All right, so that's what this is all about. Now, uh, President Biden said uh, this week, I'm going to put a commission. This is when he doesn't want to deal with something, or when any politician doesn't want to deal with something. They, they establish a commission. So whenever you hear the word commission, that means a politician doesn't want to deal with it. So Biden doesn't want to deal with reparations, but he's going to have a commission to, to study it. He'll study it. That would take maybe 15 minutes. African-American families who had descendants who were slaves are entitled $100,000 for 
or more uh, of taxpayer money. That's what reparations is. That's what it is. But Joe Biden wants to study it. Now, are you getting the feeling I have no confidence in Joe Biden's intellectual capacity? Are you getting that feeling here? Good. Because that's what I want you to know. I don't think the man is smart enough to run the country effectively. Now, in two years, I think that's going to be pretty vivid for all voters. And that might help Biden's opposition. I'm not real thrilled with the Republican Party, by the way. I'm not real thrilled with the way it conducts itself. There is an excellent article by Nikki Haley today, an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal I urge you all to read. Uh, I know her a little bit. Very smart. And the uh, op-ed is about the Republican Party. And, and I think you all should read it. It's, it's very well thought out. Okay. Cancel culture update. Los Angeles, California, both the city and the county is in dire trouble. I got lots of friends who live out there and they, they don't know what to do. Beautiful place, climate wise, a lot of options in LA, um, but it is totally out of control. Here's the latest, ready? So the Board of Education in the Los Angeles uh, city, city of LA, unanimous, unanimously approved a plan that cuts one third of police officers out of the schools. Now those cops are there to protect the students in LA schools because some of those schools are violent, particularly in, in Maxine Waters' district. They're violent. Kids are beat up. Kids have weapons. Kids get bullied, intimidated, and the police are there in force. But now they're cutting out a third of them. So the Board of Education is taking $25 million away from the budget to pay the police to protect the students. And guess who they're giving it to? They're giving it to black students, but they don't say how. They don't say how. But we're going to give it to black, half of it to black students. 11.5 million black students. Just give it, you give them the cash. What are you doing? We don't know. But the other half of the money goes to hiring school climate coaches. You're going to take the cops away and you're going to bring in the climate coaches. Now, Saturday Night Live could go, you know, 10 minutes on this, right? Can you imagine just set up a classroom and there's a climate? Co okay. But it's true. It's real. And in Los Angeles and New York City and Chicago, in the public school system, there are a lot of poor kids that need protection and they need a good education to get out of poverty. But you're taking the protection away to give it to climate coaches. Now, the story is not going to get any traction. No one's going to report it except me. I don't even think local news in L.A. is doing it because L.A. local is dominated by far left people. The LA Times, that's going out of business, but it's ridiculous. Paper's ridiculous. But this is the truth. This is what is happening. Okay. Now, one of the smartest guys in the country lives in California. His name is Victor Davis Hansen. He's a college professor. I think he lives in a Fresno area, all right, which is a conservative area. And he's a columnist. 
I mean, very, very smart. He's written books. Uh, he writes three times a week on a column basis. I always read him. Victor Davis Hanson. Well, he was on Fox News yesterday and said this. Go. I think a lot of it's personal. A lot of people come out of the woodwork in these times of Salem witch trials or reign of terror, French Revolution. They want that person's job. Their ego gets enhanced. And under the cover of being woke, they do a lot of very dangerous things. But it won't stop until we, until we fight back and are explicit that we're not afraid of it. We're not going to apologize for who we are, what we believe. Okay, so that's the woke culture. They, they're coming for you and me. But... I'm used to it. You may not be. You say something in the workplace that the woke people don't like, they want your job. And Hansen says, you got to fight back, and we do. Okay, Biden administration ending the use of the term illegal alien. Okay, so the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service, USCIS, sent out a memo saying you can't say illegal alien. It's undocumented non-citizen or undocumented individual. Okay, we will continue to say illegal alien here. Um, now, there are 71,000 asylum seekers currently in Mexico because under the Trump administration, you wouldn't, the government wouldn't set them free in the United States. They had to wait for their asylum hearing in Mexico from whence they came. They came from Mexico, they have to wait there. Made sense, right? No. Biden's going to let the 71,000 in. And their hearings will be six, seven years from now. Maybe they'll show up. Maybe they won't. Most likely won't. Because why bother? We know that we're going to get amnesty down the road anyway. Okay. So now the Biden administration knows that this is going to cause thousands of people to come to the border. Because it's a lot easier to get in now than it was under President Trump. This situation is a, I love this word, existential threat to Joe Biden. Because what's going to make or break him is the economy, number one, and immigration, number two. Both of those things go south, he's toast. Stay in history, February 18, 2016, a little controversy between Pope Francis and Donald Trump. So five years ago, Pope uh, was flying back from Mexico and reporters asked him about the border wall. Roll it. Hoy, una persona que pensa soltanto in fare muri, sia dove sia, e non fare ponti, non è cristiano. La cosa consigliere Votare o non votare, non mi mischio, soltanto dico questo uomo non è cristiano. Se di, si dice questo. Ok, so, Pope says if you are uh, building those walls, keep people out, you're not Christian. Philosoph philosophically, might be able to make that argument, as Jesus commanded all of us to look out for the poor. But realistically, it's kind of tough. And President Trump replied. I don't think he understands the danger of the open border that we have with Mexico. And I think Mexico got him to do it because Mexico wants to keep the border just the way it is because they're making a fortune and we're losing. Okay, so you decide on that. Uh, I don't think Mexico made the Pope do anything. The Pope really believes that. 
He's a very compassionate man, and his job is to look out for the poor. But if I'm the president of the United States, I have a very strict immigration program, and I think I can maintain my Christianity while doing it. Quick break, back with mail, and a final thought about the Rush Limbaugh situation. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 Remembrance Across America, over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Okay, let's go to the mail. We got uh, Stephen Sheely, Sparks, Nevada. Bill, I don't know why it surprises me, but the hate and vitriol that came out of Hollywood after Rush Limbaugh's passing was absolutely disgusting. The only guy I saw was John Cusick, the actor John Cusick. If you saw any, please let me know. And Cusick has ruined his career, in my opinion. Uh, Adam Sherman, High Ridge, Missouri. Did any other governors act like Governor Cuomo in regards to nursing homes and COVID? Not that I know of. Andrew Cuomo signed an executive order that forced COVID senior citizens back into nursing homes. I don't think, I don't know of any other governor who did that. Adam Glanville, Vancouver, Washington. I was having a discussion with a recent college grad, and I was making the point that in my 45 years of life as a white man, no white supremacy organization had ever knocked on my door trying to recruit me. He educated me that the left on college campuses has changed the definition of white supremacists as a conservative Christian white man. Okay, that's certainly the loons are doing that. Um, they're certainly doing that. Robert, is, isn't equity racism? No, it's preference. Equity is giving one group of people preference as far as what the government can provide. I wouldn't say it's racism. Jacqueline, liberals thinking that rehab is the only punishment drug addicts need. I've never been around drug addicts. Having two in my family, I have learned that the addict has to hit rock bottom in order to give up drugs, or he has to not want to go back to prison to stay clean. Um, I guarantee you that if drugs are allowed to be sold and used without punishment, this country will be grievously harmed. Jacob Fogel, Deadwood, South Dakota, nice town. Wild Bill Hickok uh, got it in Deadwood. Mr. Roll, I absolutely agree with you on the fall of late night TV. The numbers don't surprise me. I used to eat it up. Now I don't watch it. Well, we did an interesting segment on Jimmy Fallon yesterday with my clip at Fallon. So that's on BillOReilly.com if you missed it. 
Mike Maddows, El Dorado, Arkansas. Mr. O, just finished reading The United States of Trump. What an interesting and insightful book. Look, if you read that book, you know exactly why Donald Trump did what he did almost every time. Anna Moschella, Stanford, Connecticut. Bill, I've watched you since high school 20 years ago when you were on The Factor. Love that you are now independent and speak your mind directly to the audience without business constraints of a big network. I never had any constraints, ever. That was the deal. I said what I wanted to say. Um, corporation changed, so when it changed, I left. All right, if you buy, pre-order Killing the Mob, 50% off Killing Crazy Horse. You'll love both books. Killing the Mob out May 4th. All right, and we'll hear more about it, obviously. Do not be a snolly goster. S-N-O-L-L-Y-G-O-S-T-E-R when writing to us. Back with a final thought on the Limbaugh situation. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. All right, here's the final thought of the day. Um, before Rush Limbaugh died, I'd say maybe two years ago, maybe three, I had a conversation with my children. And I said, look, when I leave the planet, when I depart, um, people are going to say awful things about me. They're going to smear me and defame me. Um, that's what they're going to do. So you're kind of used to this. My kids have seen this ever since they're little. Every day their father is vilified and smeared and defamed. Um, but just be prepared for that. So if lightning hits me or I drop dead, there will be thousands of people who feel bad and, and who give me a fair shake in the obituaries, but there will be thousands of people who don't. So when I saw what happened to Rush Limbaugh, that was little talk I gave to my kids. I don't dwell on that. Believe me, I don't, I don't want to bring my kids into my world. My world is not a nice world. It's not a good world. It's a world that I am in because I think I'm doing some good. And that's the truth. But generally speaking, I don't want my kids anywhere near it. It's just, I see the worst of human nature, human conduct. But I thought about that small talk I had with my kids uh, when Rush Limbaugh uh, passed away and then everything that we reported happened. So I figured I'd pass it on to you. All right. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon.